Hi all, this is Coach Aaron Saft and the MR Running Pains Podcast, here with another episode trying to bring you some helpful things for your training and racing, uh, answer questions, uh, and just explore running and the great community we have. So um, today, I am going to talk about the 10 must-dos when training for your next 100 miler. Uh, now I know I have a, a variety of listeners here, uh, and some that uh, you know just uh, uh, don't run ultras. And um, hopefully, you can take away something from here to train for your next race. I know this is pretty specific, and um, even uh, for those that are doing ultras, you probably can take away a few of these tips. So um, I hope you've gotten this far <laughs> that you're listening, and uh, that you know perhaps I can share something with you. Uh, that can help you in your racing. Um, I, you know, I don't always get as uh, as specific as for a hundred, but <clears throat> I figured these were some some great tips that I could share uh, from my own experience and from my coaching experience with all of you uh, for you know hopefully helping your upcoming races. So if we get down to it, um, you know, I, I think the the first and foremost thing that I can tell you is don't force your training. Okay. Um, a lot of times we have um, some kind of structured plan. Uh, you know, it, it may be something you found online. It may be something you bought uh, from you know from another coach. Um, but we have this we have this like rigid plan, and we feel that you know we have to we have to stick to it. And I've talked about this in the past, but. Uh, you know, if, if, if it's not in the cards, you know, if the long runs are building up to be too much or you're doing too many long runs in a, in a row and you're just darn right tired, back off. You know, that's, you know, this is uh, an outline, if you will, you know, uh, where a rough draft where, you know, this is kind of an idea of, of what's set for you. But, you know, really comes down to how are you doing? How are you adapting to the training? If, you know, one weekend, let's say you've got, uh, you know, a three hour run, and then the next weekend, you've got a three and a half hour run, but your legs are just too tired on that second weekend, back off, you know, do whatever your body allows. Maybe that's two and a half hours. Maybe it's another three hour run. That's okay. You have to listen to your body. Otherwise, it's not going to adapt. It's not going to get better. You're not going to gain endurance by creating too much fatigue. I always talk about fatigue. And that's the big thing with ultra running. We always feel we have to do so much. Really, we just have to get our body comfortable. We have to get it uh, uh, adapted enough to our endurance right and by you know by building up gradually and smartly that's that's the way we do it okay so um you know don't feel that you have to force these long long runs weekend after weekend it, um you know most times it just leads us to too much fatigue and um you know unfortunately injury so be real cautious and don't force your training um you know another thing i'd say is uh you know we see on strava what other people are doing what pros are doing you know don't be taken away um by you know what others are doing again listen to your body what's your body telling you what is it allowing you to do okay uh, and it, it can be the opposite as well you know I, I talked about if it's doing too much if you don't feel like it's challenging enough you can bump it up the key is recovery how are you recovering from the efforts you know that's kind of your gauge am i doing too much am i doing too little you know, if you're, you know, you're, you do your Sunday long run, let's say, and um, all of a sudden, you know, Monday, you can't run. Tuesday, you're, you're too tired. You know, your body is just shot. 
it's that that long run was too much okay um and now it may be that you had like a key long run okay that that takes a little while to recover from but you know if if this is the trend you know week in and week out the long runs on the weekends are too much it shouldn't take you you know more than a day to really recover uh from long efforts so you know don't look at what others are doing and and uh you know be be adaptive okay on both sides of it doing less or doing more according to what your body's telling you. Um, all right. Um, next, practice your nutrition and hydration. Uh, you know, I, I've said this <laughs> in, uh, you know, other podcasts, but it is essential that you practice your nutrition and your hydration on your, not only your long runs, but maybe on your medium long runs or your workouts, right? Like what's it, what's it going to feel like if you're at, you know, a faster pace or running downhill, it's it's really great to understand your body and when it's best to take in nutrition or hydration. Uh, you know, it's it's probably not on a climb when you're you're out of breath, your heart rate's pumping, uh, you've got blood going everywhere else but your gut. So keep these things in mind. Um, learn when it's best to take it. What intervals is it best to take your nutrition and your hydration? Um, you know, what does your body tolerate? What does it tolerate better in the cold? What does it tolerate better in the heat? Uh, you know, there's so many different things that go into nutrition and hydration. How many, uh, calories or carbohydrates can you take in per hour? You know, all things to experiment with. And the closer you get to the race, the more often you should do it. Uh, and I had, um, you know, the registered dietitian, Jake Edmiston on the Hellbender 100 podcast. He talked about, you know, in those final weeks leading up to your goal race, you should be practicing it almost every run. If you, you know, go out for, let's say you go out for a 45-minute run and your nutrition interval is at 30 or 35 minutes, you should do, a, you know, uh, whatever you're going to do, whether it's, you know, 60 grams of carbohydrates, 100 calories, whatever it is, you should do that at your interval. Even though it's only a 40 minute run, the more you practice, the better your gut is going to be, the more adaptive it's going to be to, you know, being accustomed to you feeding it that often, that early. You know, if you don't practice it, it your, your body isn't going to be ready for it on race day. So practice, practice, practice. Okay. Um, and then have your backup plans. You know, we've talked about this too. You know, if, if something's not working, you got to know what else can you get down? Have your, uh, your, uh, B backup, your C backup, even your D backup. What's like the fail safe, right? What is going to get you calories, um, in your body? Um, and, and when things have just gone really, really wrong. Okay. So have all those plans in place and practice. Okay. Like I said, practice in all different conditions. Um, you know, know what caffeine is going to do to your body, right? So if you're planning on taking caffeine, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, uh, when we talk about night running, but, um, practice caffeine, like let, you know, see what that does. Like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but practice all of these things. And, uh, you know, especially if you're thinking of doing something at an aid station, taking some kind of food, usually your race has a list of what food will be at the aid station. I suggest taking those during your training runs, right? Maybe you set up an aid station. I, I like to have my athletes set up a loop where either their car or, you know, their house or whatever it may be, it, you know, you have this place where you can stop after the loop, whether that's, you know, four or five miles, whatever it may be. And that way you can refuel. And then that way you can grab something different, especially on a super long run. You know, if you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to try pizza or a burger, whatever it is. Okay. 
you know, have those things so that you know what your body does when it eats it. All right. Practice, practice, practice. Um, the other thing you should practice with is obviously your gear, right? Know what that gear does under given conditions. Uh, again, you know, what does it feel like in rain? What does it feel like in hot weather? What does it feel like in cold weather? Um, it, it, you just have to be ready for, for race day. Race day could be anything, could be any weather condition. So the more you can use your gear and experience it under those, you know, different circumstances, the better, right? So, you know, that when I talk about gear, your shoe sock combo, right? So what's your, what is the, the best shoe sock combo when it's dry? What is it when it's wet? Is it the same? Is it different? Okay. You may have a different combination. Uh, for when it's, it's, you know, it's, it's wet. The trails may be com completely different when it's wet, right? Like you may have to switch into a different shoe to have more traction or to have more protection from the mud. So, you know, you have to take these things into consideration and know what, how, what, and how they're going to react in those given circumstances. So, um, you know, and when you're on your feet for a long time, are they swelling? Do the shoes still fit? Do you need a thinner sock? Okay. All things to consider. Should you go up a half size? Have like a half size available to your feet swell that much? You know, at the uh, at the end of a you know extremely long run. All good things to consider when you're you're considering your shoe sock combination. Um, your pack, right? Are you going to use bottles? Um, are you going to use a bladder, or are you going to use both? You know, does your race necessitate that you use both um, bottles and a bladder? Um, so. You know, the thing here, obviously, if you're carrying bottles, usually they're on the front of the pack. That changes the weight distribution, as does the bladder when you put it in the back of the pack. You have to make sure your pack is balanced, okay? It doesn't pull you too far forward or pull you too far back. Is is it weighted properly, right? You should be able to run uh, upright like you usually do and and not feel like your pack is tipping you one way or the other. Um, if it is, you need to figure out how to load it so that you have a more balanced pack. So consider that when you're considering your bottles and your bladder. Okay. Um, are you going to use poles? You know, and if so, uh, not only practice with them, you know, that's, that's kind of something we talk about a lot is practicing with poles, but you know, if you're not using them, how are you going to store them? Right. I, I was talking with somebody, uh, one of my athletes yesterday, and, you know, he was saying that uh, his pack didn't have a capacity for carrying poles. So, you know, he bought some Velcro straps that just, you know, just kind of uh, fastened them to his pack. But it just took him an exorbitant amount of time. He wasted a lot of time because, you know, putting his poles away was it was a cumbersome task. So, um, you know, learn ways to be more efficient with, uh, with that, you know, these are things you have to consider of your pack prior. Like, should you consider a different pack? Should you consider a, a different stow system? Um, is there something readily available on the market that you can use like the, the Solomon quiver or, uh, you know, would the, uh, raid light quiver, will that work? Uh, can you just, uh, create a bungee system or does your pack have a bungee system that would work? So, you know, all things to kind of think about, um, you know, beforehand. Uh, a lot of packs these days obviously come with a way to store your poles, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing is getting them in and out, um, you know, and having them readily available or the capacity to put them away really easily. So, um, yeah, poles can be, uh, they can be a godsend and they can also be very cumbersome and annoying. So, uh, you know, the, the easier you can deal with them, the better. And then other things to consider, is this a race that you're going to need gators and how do those gators feel? 
like if you're wearing shorts, do you need a longer sock, right? Does your sock need to come up higher so that the, uh, the cuff of the gator doesn't rub your ankle? Um, you know, so, uh, the sock gator combination, is it fitting your shoe properly? I, I had to go through a number of different gators and, you know, uh, f- like really hard rock was the first time that I, I actually wore gators in a race, <clears throat> excuse me. And having, uh, experienced that, I, you know, I thought I had a good setup. Um, and then I, you know, um, one of my, actually one of my pacers, you know, looked at the, the setup, you know, actually the day before the race and was like, Aaron, that's, you know, that's not going to work. Like, you know, um, I had the black diamond gaiters, which felt really comfortable, but they had a, um, a a lace that went underneath the shoe. They're like, that thing's going to get like, you know, shredded on the rocks and it could get caught, you you know, trip you up. Like there was just so many things that could go wrong with it. And then I wouldn't have the capacity for the, the gator. And thankfully they gave us, um, well, ultra, you know, they, the, one of the sponsors of the race, they gave us gators and, you know, we, uh, we, we glued on, uh, some Velcro onto the back of my, I was wearing the Topo mountain ultra racers, excuse me, the mountain racers too. Um, and, uh, we glued on the Velcro onto the back and, you know, they, they served me great. I was so happy with them. So, um, you know, it, it, uh, thankfully we made that last minute adjustment. Um, but, Again, you know, going into the race, I had one plan and then somebody saw it and was like, dude, like, you know, you're asking for trouble with this. Like, and that's, you know, (laughs) definitely something we don't want is, uh, is a failure in gear. Right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, the, uh, the adaptation, the, uh, the quick change, uh, was, was, was spot on, but things to consider. And it may be like, you know, I, I, I just had a, another call with another athlete and we went through the gear list. This athlete's doing the, uh, Tahoe 200. We went through the gear list, making sure that we didn't have anything in excess, uh, looked at, you know, can we, can we make it lighter? Is it possible to make the, the pack lighter or is it possible to, um, you know, to reduce the, um, the size of, of her pack? So, you know, these are things that you can go over, you know, with friends, with your crew, with, uh, your coach, obviously it's, you know, but you know, it, it's good to have that outside eyeball, especially if you have a, like a, a suggested or mandatory gear list, go through it with folks say, I'm doing this, this, and this, does that sound you know feasible? Does that sound okay? Anywhere I can, you know, lose some weight. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times we, uh, we want to be so prepared. Um, and that's, that's great. You know, I, uh, safety is priority. So, uh, but you know, like in, in my athlete's circumstances, uh, she had two pairs of gloves and, you know, one was for hiking poles and the other one was just in case it got cold. I was like, well, you know, like, can we condense that down to one set of gloves? And then we looked at her, um, her pants, you know, we had, she had to carry pants. And I said, why don't you reduce the weight of the pants? You know, here's an idea. Like, you know, these are still warm waterproof, uh, but they're like, you know, over half the weight. So, um, you know, just small things that, that can help. So taking a look at that kind of stuff with, uh, with somebody else is, you know, extremely important and, and your clothing, you know, obviously your clothing, you know, just talking about pants and such, uh, knowing how, what do the seams do? How do they, you know, how do they move in, in all, again, all different weather circumstances? You know, if, if it's, if it's colder, you know, is this going to be, um, enough warmth or, you know, is, uh, is it going to be too warm? Um, uh, you know, same thing for the heat. Like, you know, obviously we, we sweat so much more, like, 
are they going to chafe? Like, is there anything that rubs? Are there any seams anywhere that drive you nuts? Uh, are there any tags that you should remove ahead of time? All those kind of things, you know? So go through your gear, be very meticulous with your clothing, uh, and making decisions as to, uh, what's, what's going to feel the best, what's going to work the best and serve you the best. Okay. Um, uh, so, you know, again, all of these things, uh, you know, weather comes into it and, and is a huge consideration. Uh, so, um, you know, just be aware of, of, of what to expect, you know, as race day draws close, I always say it's, it's great to overpack, you know, I've been on the wrong side of it where I didn't pack enough. And, you know, I almost, um, I almost really caused the, you know, the demise of my race because I just didn't have the right gear for the race. So it's always better to overpack and have than to have not. So, um, do not be afraid if you're packing for your hundred miler and now this isn't your drop bag, right? This is just your, your travel stuff, right? It's always better to have more than, than to not have enough. So, I mean, I had, I had two huge roller duffels, uh, when we went to UTMB, uh, you know, I had a huge gear bag where I had my nutrition, hydration stuff, uh, my pack, my poles, my shoes, you know, I had, I had three different pairs of shoes, um, all different socks just in case, um, you know, and, and UTMB doesn't tell you which, uh, they have three different gears, uh, gear lists, uh, your mandatory gear lists that they don't tell you until 24 hours ahead of time. So you have to bring all of that gear with you. So, you know, I had a lot of stuff and, and that's great. UTMB make sure that you're prepared, that you have the gear you need. So, and it's not to say that I, I bought some gear while I was there. Uh, you know, I, I saw some stuff in the store. I was like, wow, that, that makes a lot more sense than what I have. So, you know, it's, it's, it's changing now, you know, again, you should know your gear. Um, I knew the brand, I knew the jacket. So, um, I wasn't as, as hesitant, um, you know, in, in buying it, but again, it's, you know, we, we, we sometimes take chances and sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't, but is, you know, is, are you willing to gamble on it? Is it that important a piece of, uh, you know, gear or, uh, is it something that you may never pull out? So just, just keep those things in mind. Uh, I talked a little bit earlier about doing uh, night running, right? I t- we, we talked about caffeine. So um, I like to throw in a night run. Now, let me, let me kind of start with this is not, not to prepare you for sleep deprivation. You cannot train your body for sleep deprivation, right? You do not get any better at staying awake or being less sleep deprived, your body needs sleep. (laughs) So let's start there. Okay. So in no way am I suggesting that you do this often because it does not do anything but make you more tired. But you know, maybe like two runs, you do them at different times at night, right? You like you may put the kids to bed and go out for a night run. Or you may set the alarm for super early. Like, you know, sometimes I set my alarm for like 1.30 a.m. And I'm out the door by like 2 a.m. Just so that I know what my body feels like when it's super tired. Uh, and, you know, and dealing with my body when it's in that state. Because you're going to be there, right? Like you're, you're most likely going to be running through the night. So it's good to know, A, what are you feeling like? You know, and that's when you practice your caffeine, right? Whether it be in your drink or in your food or in both. So you know how the body reacts to that, that caffeine. Is it enough? Is it too much? Uh, you know, does it just, you know, does it bother your stomach? Does it, does it wake you up? Does it do its job? That's, that's the big thing, right? So practicing your caffeine and then also practicing your lights, 
right? Practice with your lights. What is your lighting setup? Mine is I have a Petzl Actic Core headlamp and I've got the uh, Ultra Aspire um, 800 lumen belt or the Kogala Ra system. Um, you know, one of those two, depending on the race and depending on, you know, how much lighting I want, um, or what setup I want with what pack, that's what, you know, really determines, you know, which lighting system I use. But either way, I'm using the, the Petzl Actic Core, uh, cause I have the, uh, the backup batteries, you know, they have rechargeable batteries. So I just bring a bunch of packs with me and it's also good to practice switching out your batteries, right? Even if the battery doesn't go dead, it's good to have, uh, the capacity to change those out, um, you know, on the run, like you may take a, a walk break and just change out the battery. So you practice doing that, you know how to do it. Um, you know, and that's why I like having two separate lights, because if my headlight goes out, I can use my waist light, right to, to, you know, see my headlight and put the battery in the correct way, and vice versa, you know, I can use my my headlamp to to change the battery on my belt. So um, practice with those things, though. Uh, you know, it's, it's really essential that you feel comfortable that the lighting is bright enough that you can see everything, especially if you're on technical terrain. And that's why I like the, you know, either the ultra aspire belt or the, the Kogala light, because it gives me more depth perception. Uh, uh, you know, here on the East coast, we've got high humidity, which a lot of times at night brings fog. And with fog, if you're just wearing a headlight, you basically just get a halo in front of you, the circle of light in, in the fog, right in front of you, you barely can see the ground. So, you know, with those lower lights, you then have the capacity to see, you know, your feet and what's under them. So I, I, I can't stress enough, you know, having that lower light, whether that's carrying a handheld light, um, or, you know, creating your own, um, you know, I, I had a friend that he used, uh, one of those nylon outdoor belts, uh, and, um, and fastened two Petzl headlamps, one kind of pointed up and one kind of pointed down. So, uh, he created his own, you know, lighting belt in that fashion because he took the head, um, the headbands off the, the Petzl lights and then used the belt to thread it through there. Uh, it, you know, great idea. Um, so it's not that you need, if you have other headlights that you're not using, you can use them and create your own belt. So it's not that you need to buy anything else. If you already have some headlights, you can just be creative and, you know, put them on your own belt. But again, practice with it. Make sure it's comfortable. Make sure it fits well. It doesn't chafe you, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I found with the uh, the Ultra Aspire belt, uh, since it's so elastic, I had the first version, which was, um, you know, it was very... Uh, very static. It did not. Um, it did not bounce. It you know. It did not give much. Uh, but the new one is elastic. So if you put the the um, the pouch that comes with it, the uh, the zipper pocket that comes with it on, and then I put batteries in it, my belt just bounced too much. It was too much weight. Uh, you know, it, I, I couldn't get it tight enough um, with the el- elasticity of the band. So I don't put the the pouch on it. I take the pouch off and just have the light, and then I put my batteries in my pack. So, you know, knowing these things ahead of time. Uh, I also did the YouTube video for the Kogala light. Uh, I used the uh, Naked SL band, uh, which is the um, the Naked brand um, running belt. And they have toggles, uh, basically, you know, elastic cords for race numbers. But I was able to wrap those around my Kogala light and attach it to the the naked belt. And then you have plenty of storage capacity in there. So, you know, there's just different ideas. Sometimes you have to be creative. Just a few ideas for everybody. Okay, I will try to put the uh, um, uh, the YouTube video for uh, 
the uh the naked belt uh in the show notes um i also um i did uh, a while back on one of the newsletters uh it's you know it's, it's definitely archived on my website but um if you go back um i had uh a, you know an article about uh using your your existing headlamps to create a belt so that's that's back in oh gosh i, I can't remember when that was um it was a long time ago. I think it was before COVID. <laughs> so we'd have to dig through the archives for that one. But anyway, um, so yes, do a night run, uh, at least one, so that you get to know yourself, your sleepy conditions, you work with caffeine, see how it works, and practice with your lighting. Okay. Next, prep yourself mentally. Okay. So this begins when you begin training. When you sign up for this race, you need to have your why. And that needs to be something intrinsic, right? It's something meaningful to you, not extrinsic that you're going to receive this buck, you know, belt buckle or you know, I'm going to do this time. Those are good goals, but you need to have something that's driving you, right? Uh, right now with my athletes, we're reading Addie Bracey's book, mental training for ultra running. Uh, I think everybody should read that book. It's, you know, there is so much in there to help you create your why, you know, help you create your drive. Uh, because if you're, you know, if you're, uh, if you're, uh, if your why is an extrinsic value, then when it gets really tough, it gets so easy to, to give up or to give in. So, you know, when you have that intrinsic motivation, it gives you more drive, more determination because it means more to you. And that's the important thing. So um, be real specific and real, um, you know, be real motivated um, by your why. So that needs to be done up front, up front. Um, and then. You know, training in the mental, like, uh, you know, Addie Bracey, again, her book is tremendous. Uh, another one would be um, Travis Macy's um, Ultra Mindset, which uh, Travis was on my podcast not too long ago. And we kind of talk about some of this stuff. But, you know, I think that you, uh, you need to know what to do when you get negative, right? You need to know how to deal with yourself when you get negative. Uh, you need to come up with strategies, you know, what, what are you going to do when things get tough? How are you going to alleviate that situation? What's going to motivate you or put you past that negative state? What's going to turn things positive? Okay. So, um, like, think about these things. Think about, you know, like when the situation's like, uh, you know, like you're just frustrated, right? You're tired. There's still a long way to go. And you're, you just feel like garbage, you know, and you start getting that mental state. Like, why am I out here? Like, that's when, you know, you go back to your why this is why I'm out here. And then you need to think about, well, what do I need to do? And that's when those, you can employ those strategies, employ how you're going to deal with that negative state. You know, are you going to eat something? Are you going to turn on some music? Uh, you know, uh, do you have something you can think about that will, you know, will help you reframe and get more into a positive mindset? Okay. So, um, prepare yourself mentally there, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. And I mean, like I said, those two books, mental training for ultra running and ultra mindset, uh, you know, I, those are something that should be, you know, by your side, uh, and, and reviewing throughout your training. Uh, they're just two great books that have a lot of value. There are so many exercises in both of them and you should, you know, do them at the beginning of your training 
for each race, you know, if you have a goal race, do them, you know, for each goal race and then review them, review them time in and time out, right? Has things changed? Is there anything different? You know, like that's, that's something that I, you know, I really encourage you to do. Okay. So prep yourself mentally. Next practice hiking. Now, um, you know, we, we get into a hundred miler and we would all, all of us would love, 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 love to run 100 miles. We would love to run for 100 miles, but we know that that's just not a realistic thing for most of us. Okay. Some of you, you know, are, you may be a select few that can, that can run the entire 100 miles and, and that's great. But for, for those that know that they are going to have to hike at points, it is best to be efficient at hiking. And that means practicing it, okay? So you may have uh, a, you know, a long run on Sunday, right? And Monday's your recovery day. Why don't you take Monday and use it as a hiking day? Go out for an hour walk. It doesn't have to be in the mountains. If it is, if you're training for a mountain race and you can do that, that's fantastic. But, you know, if, if you're just, you know, at home uh, and you can only hit the city blocks, that's fine. You know, just practice a brisk pace. Become efficient at walking. Become efficient at walking at a faster pace. So that way your body knows what it's doing, how it's doing it, and the pace you expect of it. So you have to practice that, just like running, right? We practice running, but a lot of times we don't practice walking. And then when we get to walking, we just slow way down and we lose time. So, you know, here, practicing walking at a faster, a faster, brisker pace, your body's now efficient at doing it and can do it easier. So you will gain time. You will, you know, you'll earn time back because you're a faster hiker. So practice your hiking, whether that's with poles or without poles. You know, obviously, it's a great time to practice with poles if you're intending on using them. Okay, so practice your hiking. The next one is... And I just wrote an article, I think two months ago in my newsletter about this is your pacing strategy. Okay. Now, my first time hundred mile people, I, I love the fact that they are, they feel that their average pace is what they can sustain for a hundred miles. So if they go out for their conversational run, they're like, why can't I sustain this for a hundred miles? Uh, you know, it, <laughs> of the time, it's just not in the cards, right? Let's say that your average pace is a nine minute pace. Okay. That is, that's great for your conversational run, but your hundred mile pace is so much slower and our body doesn't know what to do or how to do it. If we don't practice the hundred mile pacing, you'll go out at nine minute pace because that's what your body knows. That's what it knows how to do. And that's, again, going out too fast. You know, you hear it all the time, go out slow. And if you think you're going slow, go slower. And that's the truth. When you look at your average pace over a hundred mile, you know, whether it's, you know, 15 minutes or uh, 24 minutes or longer, right? That's the paces that, you know, we, we need to be practicing, we need to be okay with moving at that pace from the get-go. I guarantee you'll go faster at the end than you would have if you went out at nine-minute pace because you're conserving your energy. You're doing what the body is, you know, is wanting to do and those latter miles anyway. So, you know, the miles don't get as, as slow that, you know, potentially you could be going, uh, you know, at the start instead of nine-minute pace, you could be going 13-minute pace, 12 and a half, 13-minute pace. And that puts you on pace for, you know, an average that's going to be a lot faster than ending up with a, a 15 or 16 minute pace. So start slower. 
you know, learn in your long run to practice that pace. So if your goal is to run, you know, 24 hours, I believe that's, I think that's 14 minute pace. Forgive me if my math is is incorrect, but, um, you know, whatever the pace is for, you know, per mile, that's the pace you want to practice, right? You have to get efficient at that pace on your long runs, not all of your long runs, by all means, no, you know, and and I know it's going to drive you nuts, but, you know, consider that the fact that, if there's hills on the course, you're going to be walking those hills. Whereas on your long run, a lot of times you just you run those. Instead, practice walking those. That changes your average pace. That will make it closer to what you're searching for in your 100-mile pacing. Okay, So practice exactly what you're going to do on race day, whether that's walking up hills, uh, you know, running the flats, running the downhills. But practice running at the pace and, and get that average pace into your long runs. And your recovery days, if you're doing a recovery run, those are great days to practice your 100-mile pacing. That will obviously keep your heart rate really low and make you feel like, you know, what you're going to feel during the 100-miler. You'll get to know that pace, you know, will become more accustomed to you. So practice that 100-mile pacing, okay? Now, next one, practice specificity closest to the event. What does that mean? So, uh, you know, I've I've talked about this on other podcast episodes. Uh, In a 100-miler, when you are nine weeks out, nine weeks out to about three weeks out, there's a six-week block. That's when you want to practice your specificity for the event. And what I mean by that is that's going to be your biggest volume. That's going to be your longest long runs, okay? You're going to, you know, practice just um, getting more volume in your weekly long runs, your weekly runs and in general. Uh, so you're going to have your highest mileage during those six weeks. Uh, you know, if you have a, a mountainous race, that's when you're going to practice vert. Okay. That's when you want to put in vert and by vert, I mean both ascent and descent. If your race has a lot of climbing and descending, you want to practice that. This is the time frame to do everything that the race is going to put at you. Is your race on single track? You know, practice on single track during this time. Is your race flat and and on a rail bed? Practice flat and on a you know a rail bed or a greenway or even the treadmill. You know, keep it flat. Same thing if it's vert. You know, if it's vert during this time, you know, throw in a few runs that you know or or hikes where you uh, you jack up the incline on your treadmill. This is the time to do that stuff. Um, is it going to be hot? You know, do you need heat training, heat acclimatization, heat acclimatization? We want to do about. Uh, you know, I would say about 21 days uh, away from the event, you want to do it for about two weeks. And that leaves you one week of kind of recovery uh, from the heat acclimatization so that you get your hydration back. Now, keep in mind, you should follow some kind of heat protocol. Uh, Don't just, you know, go at it haphazardly because you are doing a lot of detriment to your body by heat training. You're putting it through a lot. That is a very stressful thing for your body to go through heat training. So um, make sure you're focusing on rehydration, recovery, all of that stuff, because it is almost a workout to your to your body because that heat is going to drive up your heart rate. It's going to, you know, uh, take a lot of uh, fluid from your body. So be very, very careful with your heat acclimatization training. But again, you want that about 21 days out to about seven days out, that kind of that, you know, two week window. And that way you can kind of rehydrate, recover, and, you know, you're, you're good to taper into your race. Okay. So yes, all of that stuff should be practiced, you know, in that, that six week block, nine weeks out to three weeks out. The remaining three weeks are your taper. Okay. So practice that specificity. 
Uh, next, have a plan and share it with your crew and pacers. Okay, this is huge. This is absolutely huge, right? And as I was talking about earlier, you know, like talk about your plan with with folks. Make sure it makes sense to them. It may make sense to you, but they may think of it and say, "Hey, like, have you thought about this? What if this happens?" So, um, go through it, you know, with uh, basically a you know fine tooth comb. You know, go every aspect of it. Go through the details. Uh, you know, communicate with them. Have a Zoom meeting. You know, if if you guys are are branched out and you know all over the place, have a Zoom meeting. Go go through it together and make sure that everybody's on the same page. You know, talk about the course. Um, you know, talk about your expectations, let them know your goals, right? They should know what you're expecting, what you want, you know, and, and, uh, let them know, you know, these things are great. These things work. And, and this is what I like, you know, let your pacers know, uh, I'd like to talk or I'd like you to talk, or I just want to be quiet. I'd like you to run behind me. Uh, you know, let them know these things so that you're not annoyed by, you know, things that, that go on. And if it's in the race, you know, communicate that. You may be in a dark place and just say, "Hey, listen, right now, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm not in a good frame of mind. You know, like I, I just want to be quiet for a little bit and put on some music. I appreciate you being here, and I'd, I'd rather you, you be here than not. But I just need a moment to kind of, you know, get out of this funk. And you know, I need to do it. Uh, like, there's nothing that you can do right now. You know, and they may have a suggestion. Have you eaten or something like that? But um, you know, just, just be honest, be open, be communicative. That's, that's the huge part of, uh, uh, you know, of, of your pacers and your crew is, is both communicating to them and listening to them, right? It's hard when we're in that, that, that really dark place. We don't want to listen to anybody. I understand that <laughs> I've been there. So, uh, but instead, you know, try to keep an open mind, try to be positive, be grateful. Be, they're there for you, right? Don't forget that aspect. Don't forget to be appreciative of them and thank them for being there. Okay. Try to be as kind as you can be. And, and a lot of times that can change things too, is, is remembering why they are there because they are there for you. And that, that really does help. But, you know, you may have spreadsheets and everything like that. And, you know, go over those things with your crew. Again, all your details, uh, you know, go through race rules. Make sure that they understand the rules, both, you know, crew and pacers. Usually there's rules for both. Make sure that they're on the same page. You may want to have two separate meetings, you know, one with your crew and one with your pacers. And just go through those things, making sure that everybody understands, you know, what's the plan, what's the rules, you know, here's my expectations. Here's the, you know, the timeline. Okay. We're going to get in here. This is what we have to do. I have to get this, 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 and this done. Um, you know, assign roles, make sure that your crew understands their roles. You know, my, my wife is usually my, my captain and I say, all right, yeah, everybody defer to Beth. She is the captain. And, you know, and I want, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, I, I like, you know, I, I, Sam at hard rock was like my, my calorie counter, making sure that I had enough food and fluid. Um, you know, um, Morgan was making sure that I had all the other gear that I needed. Um, Mercedes was going and grabbing me some food from the aid station. So, you know, everybody had their role. They, they knew what I needed them to do. And, you know, if I, if I asked something of somebody else, you know, they had something that they could do. It wasn't, they weren't overlapping, right? And everything was getting done because they were doing a specific chore. So, you know, make sure everybody understands those roles. Okay. Very good. Um, and then have backup plans, right? You know, you come up with this whole big spreadsheet and that goes out the window. What's next, right? That, that's the thing is like, you know, plan A has gone out the window. What's plan B? 
You know, what's, what's your expectations now? Uh, so have those backup plans. Don't just, you know, be like, Oh, that's, that's out the window. Here we go. We're winging it. You know, you shouldn't wing it. <laughs> you should have a backup plan. So have backups to your backups. Like we talked about with nutrition. Okay. Have backup plans and be okay with changing to, you know, it may be, you know, you have a, a separate time in mind or a separate uh, placing in mind, you know, the, let them know those things and then have those, you know, kind of ingrained in your mind. Okay. We're switching to this now. This is the new plan. Okay. All right. Um, my last tip, number 10 is use a training log. All right. Um, yeah, Strava. That's a great platform. It is, a, it is a great uh, place to store your runs because it uploads, but you need to add notes. You need to add notes to yourself. There's even a section that you can create private notes so that nobody else sees them, but you can refer to those notes. How did this go? Like, how did my nutrition go? You know, how many calories did I get? How much fluid did I drink? These are all important things that you should note. And, you know, what was my, uh, you know, caloric intake? How many total calories? How often was I doing it? Did that work? How did my stomach feel? What was the temperature? How much sleep did I get? All important things to record because you can refer back to these things and say, okay, this worked at this temperature. This worked in these conditions. This gear did this. It annoyed me here so that you remember, oh, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't use that, that shirt or whatever it may be. You know, these are all really good things to put into your log. So take extensive notes be really detailed, especially on your long runs and workouts. Those are the ones that you really want to be specific about everything that happened and how you felt. Okay. Then, you know, your, your recovery runs and your normal runs, you're basically just talking about, okay, here was the temperature. Here's how I felt. You know, um, maybe you had something going on. You're like a super stressful day. And that's probably why I I didn't feel good today. Those type of things. You just want to be as, as detailed as you can. Okay. Um, the other thing that you can do is then you can look back, right? You've gone through your training cycle and you're like, Oh God, did I do enough? You can go back through your training log and look at all of the runs that you've done. Okay. Look at the journey, look at everything you've done along the way. And that will give you so much more confidence because you're like, geez, I've been training for a while and I've done a heck of a lot of training. And that's going to be a difference maker and make you more confident and less questioning as to, did I do enough? Because we always ask ourselves that, did I do enough? And the answer is usually, yes, yes, you did. So I hope, I sincerely hope that these, uh, um, these tips help you guys out, you know, not only in your next hundred miler, um, but in, you know, any races you have, I hope you can take something from this, uh, and, and really apply it to, um, to you. Uh, and so, uh, we'll be getting back to, uh, to some, some guests here. Um, man, I, I've, you know, I'm reaching out to some, some amazing folks that have done some amazing things. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just hellbender is, uh, is really all encompassing right now, uh, as well as coaching track. We're kind of getting into our championship season. So, um, I've been, you know, really diverting a lot of my attention, not only to, uh, my high school athletes, but my athletes, a number of them are racing hellbender as well. So I'm really trying to be there for, you know, a lot of people right now, not only, uh, my family, but you know, all of these athletes as well as the, uh, the athletes that are running hellbender. So, um, you know, just, just being able to, uh, to talk on the podcast, uh, you know, at my own leisure, uh, not at a scheduled time, um, has been, you know, it's been relieving, um, 
it's it's uh, uh, and I hope I've I've brought you some information that's helpful uh, in these past few weeks. But you know, after Hellbender, we'll kind of get back to our our regular you know guests each week and talking about different topics. Uh, but um, you know, for the time being, this is uh, this is the best format for me. Um, as as for my training, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I kind of talked about this previously. My my training has kind of had to take uh, the back seat. Um, I had a slight strain in my calf. Um, as well as um, a strain in my hamstring. And um, so I, I had to take a little bit of downtime. Um, and with everything going on, it's it's okay. It's it's kind of what needs to be right now. Um, and, um, <laughs> you know, I, I went to see um, my physical therapist, Miriam Saloom, the, at the Runner's Mechanic. She's been on this you know, podcast a ton of times. Uh, and, you know, she, she definitely uh, got me going. Like I, I feel good again. I'm I'm hoping that I can uh, just go for a little run either today or tomorrow. Um, this is uh, Wednesday, uh, the uh, the 13th. So um, I'm hoping that uh, you know my body's my body's good to go. So um, I, I'm not gonna dive into like full training. Uh, you know, I I I, I'm, I think I'm gonna just kind of reset. I, I just feel like my body, you know, just needs a reset. It's just to give me too many signals that, uh, you know, things weren't going the right way. And, you know, as much as I planned out this training for Bigfoot 200, uh, you know, there's there's times where you just have to hit the reset button and be like, hey, you know, things aren't going the way they should. Uh, and that's where I'm at right now. I've got plenty of time. You know, here we sit in April. Uh, race isn't until August. So that's May, June, July, August. I've still got four months. <laughs> so I've still got a ton of time. So uh, hitting the reset button right now, I think is the right thing to do. As you know, as tough as that is to, uh, to, you know, to say, God, I put in all this work, uh, you know, but you know, I think to get the result I want, it's the smart thing to do. So I'm going to start back, <laughs> just going to start back at, at square one, uh, when my body allows me to, uh, I don't want to push it. You know, I, I tried to, to go for a run, uh, you know, I thought my hamstring and calf were okay. And I, I got, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a hundred, you know, hundred yards and, uh, the back of my knee, I just, uh, just started tugging, you know? So it's like my hamstring insertional point or my, my calf or both were, were tugging. <laughs> and, uh, and that's when I knew I needed to go see Miriam and, uh, and kind of resolve this. So, um, but you know, like I said, right thing to do right now, um, hit the reset button. Um, you know, once I get through hellbender, it will be full on training for, for Bigfoot. I'm excited about that. Um, you know, I've been trying a ton of different shoes. I, I still am looking for what I want for, uh, um, for, uh, Bigfoot. So, you know, I, I've, I tried the, uh, ultra Mont Blanc, not quite what I really want for, you know, Bigfoot. I was really hoping that shoe would be it, but, uh, just didn't get the heel lock that I was hoping for. Uh, just got in the, the Mafate, uh, speed threes. Going to give those a whirl. And I also have on the way the, uh, the new Hoka speed goat five. So going to give them a whirl. Um, also picked up a new pair of the mountain racer twos. I use those at hard rock. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, they're, they're not quite <laughs> like, not quite what I want. Um, I love my lone peaks. Uh, the new lone peaks. I think they are fantastic for me. Um, you know, I'm just wondering if I need slightly more cushioning and protection for, you know, this long of a race with, uh, you know, the surfaces we'll be covering at Bigfoot. So, you know, that's, that's my big question mark right now is footwear. Uh, but again, I'm experimenting, trying to figure out what's going to be right. Um, I'm probably driving my wife nuts with, uh, all of these shoe purchases. I, I hate the fact that, 
you know, I keep <laughs> trying to find the right footwear, but you know, I think for 200 miles, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's probably one of my more important gear items. Um, so with that said, I'm going to keep working on that. Um, but again, excited. Um, you know, mentally I feel great. Like I, mentally, I really, I want to go for a run. I do. I want to get out there and go for a run. Um, and, uh, that's, that's a great place to be. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep working on it. <laughs> um, for Hellbender, uh, we still could use a few more volunteers. So if you are available or, uh, you talk to somebody and, and they're available for May 6th and 7th, uh, could still use a few hands, uh, for various tasks. So you can always reach out to me. Uh, the email there is hellbender100rd at gmail.com. I'll put that in the, uh, the show notes. Um, but um, yeah, if you, if you can help out, I gosh, I, I really appreciate that. Um, but um, yeah, the preparations for it are coming really great. I can't wait to see everybody on the line out there. Uh, you know, keep in mind, I know um, we're mid month now, uh, but um, I won't be um, I won't be doing the newsletter until after Hellbender. Uh, but if you want to subscribe to the newsletter so that when it comes out, uh, you can get it. You can go onto my website. And there's a link in the show notes, mrrunningpains.com, and you can check that out. I have not been active on YouTube. Again, just, you know, <laughs> one too many things, you know, one, one too many uh, uh, you know, stokers in the fire. I just uh, um, I, I, had a, <laughs> I had to take a break from something, and unfortunately, YouTube is where it's at. I uh, hope to get back to that as well. Um, got some, some things that I want to share, um, ideas that I have. Uh, so, that will be coming. So my apologies, you know, I've, I've been, uh, absent on that platform, but, uh, like I said, more things to come. And, uh, this weekend is Easter. Those celebrating, I wish you a very happy Easter. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope everybody's training is going great. Uh, again, I always appreciate the questions you guys send in. If you have any, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, you can reach me at runningpains at gmail.com or through any of the social media platforms. Again, those are all in the show notes. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. And until next time, keep running, my friends.